What is up, everyone, and welcome back to Season 3, Episode 5 of Bored and Nerdy. I am your host, S. Dan the Legend, Twitch content creator, and honestly, not much else when it comes to being the human being. But I'm joined, as always, by my beautiful co-host, Twitch streamer, YouTube content creator, all-around lovable face, and emerging D&D DM star. Hey, it's Dale. Dale, how you doing, buddy? Hello. You know, every time you announce yourself, I kind of just want to have these like air horn sound effects. Eh, 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 eh. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so Dale and I did this thing where uh, for those that watch us live on Twitch, you, you might be familiar with it. We start the call. He starts to stream at the same time. And we just like talking to each other. So we start just blabbering. Next thing you know, we're wasting content before the stream starts. Uh, but we had both started our, our Discord call today saying how tired we were. I'm not going to lie, Dale. In the 10 minutes or so that we've been talking so far, I feel energized, man. You you dude, bring me energy, Dale. Dude, I, the, the I absolute you. same. Absolute same. Oh, man. Guys, so we got... Uh, a lot of small topics to get through tonight, uh, but you guys know we could take that and, and really run with it. So we're going to dive right into it, and we're going to kick things off tonight with uh, last week's Music Club. So as you guys know, we've been trading back and forth, um, giving each other albums to listen to, to reflect upon. We started off with Camp Cope, How to Socialize and Make Friends. Uh, I forgot what my fr- oh fuck it whatever the album fuck it whatever. Yep. Then we had Isles and Glaciers, and last week I gave Dale, uh, I could make a mess like nobody's business. The self-titled EP, Dale, how'd it go? Uh, so I, hmm, I don't know where to start with this one, because on the one hand. I really, really liked it. I had it playing when I was at work doing some journal cleaning, when I was doing some work around the house, and I really vibed with it. It definitely had a like early mid thousands tone to it, especially with the bass. I loved mm-hmm. all the as, as a bassist first and foremost, my first instrument I learned how to play. I really got gravitated to, towards it, but. I don't want to say it's bad, but I didn't really find much memorable. And instead it made me really nostalgic towards other bands and other songs. I loved the vocal deliveries, especially the like soft, hushed, whispered uh, deliveries. I thought that was fantastic. But if I can think of like one thing that was my favorite off of the entire album, it was intro track one or track number one, whichever the first track is. Uh, the very end of it, as it's getting all like experimental and electronic, it gave me hard, hard Jameson Parker Sleepwalker vibes. And I loved it. Well, as we discussed when I found out that you didn't know who Ace Enders uh, is, um, very Jameson Parker in the fact that this whole album was solely him. Uh, mm-hmm. From production to instruments to singing, 
it's him, right? Um, and you know, man, I, as I said when I suggested it, the thing about this album for me, it was a place and it was a time in my life that I think if I had heard this album outside of that place and time, I might feel the same way about it that you do. Um, but that that nostalgia, I thought you might go someplace because we had a little a little spoiler alert before we came in. Uh, where we started to give the take, and then we had to remind ourselves we were wasted content before we started recording the podcast this evening. <laughs> um, see, what I thought you were going to go with with the nostalgia is there's something about this album that makes me think of like the sounds of being a kid. They do a lot of like uh, yeah. um, noises in the background, you know, like TVs playing, kids playing in the street, uh, yes. sprinklers. There's just like a lot happening in the background that really makes me feel nostalgic for like being a kid. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely get a feel for that for sure. I loved the little like bits and pieces of like cut mid uh, like background vocals. Like it's coming through like an old timey speaker. Uh, There were times Mm -hmm. where like I'd have it playing in my car or... I'd have it like on the on the TV doing some work, and uh, my grandfather would say like, do, "Do you have the radio playing? Like, what's what, what do you listen to?" It's like that. I love love that sound. Yeah, well, you know, now you know who Ace is, and uh, I mean, you always knew who Ace was, but like, you know, he is uh, for the reasons you said. I really love. There's nothing spectacular about his voice, right? He's not going to go on. Um, the voice and like win right but he understands what his voice could do and as an instrument he knows how to use it to convey emotions and feelings and I, in my opinion for that time period and that style of music um, I think there's very few people who do it better than him for me personally you know mm-hmm. obviously everybody out there can have their own opinions about it but you know I'm glad you gave it a go bud and uh I expect my return volley. So did you have one ready? Oh, I did indeed. So I think I've recommended them before. And if I have, if you've listened to them before, let me know. Okay. But I'm thinking, let's start with their EP first. Somewhere Sleepless by Water Me Down. I Sleepless? Somewhere Water. sleepless by Water oh, Me I Down. Oh, I hear the summer. Okay, somewhere I'm I'm bookmarking it right now. Uh, somewhere sleepless, Water Me Down album. Let's let's get that. Okay, all right, I've got so, that on my this my list. The way that I felt about this is that this is where I wish early brand new went off into. Instead of being more, what, on the rocky rock side, like maybe experimental rock side, the softer side, now they got like the really hushed vocals and the bittersweet harmonies. This kind of embodies their early, more punk sound. And I'm so more of my curious. favorite weapon, brand new. Yeah. Than Deja yeah. To. Okay. Okay. And I'm really All curious right. what your take on this is going to be. So, you know, I, I am a 
listen, I will sell my body for brand new. So I am, in fact, a whore for brand new. Um, and I will say, and I, I just have to put it out there, right? Like, uh, Devil and God is probably my my favorite musical album. Dejanet to do is probably my favorite, like, time and place nostalgia album. And my favorite weapon, minus a few tracks, is kind of like my least favorite jam by them. But it's like Ooh. saying it's my least favorite. It's like saying it's my least favorite ice cream. I'm still going to eat the ever-loving hell out of it, right? Like, so it, it's... Oh, boy. So I, I'm interested to see. Um, and I think that's more of a brand new thing, Dale, than it is genre, right? Like, for me, brand new is the best when they're just absolute edgelords. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, like... Early Fallout Boy is some of my favorite Fallout Boy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I'm excited. I'm excited to give it a listen, man. I agree with that. So, Out of curiosity, like, yeah, yeah. By early Fallout Boy, I assume you mean like take this to your grave. Did you like, yeah, up to like infinity and high or? No, no, no. So, uh, take this to your grave is like the, the last album of theirs that I consider early Fallout Boy. Um, okay fair under the cork tree is where i really saw them so there was i forgot what the ep was called there was like a five song ep then there was take this to your grave and then there was under the cork tree and i felt that was really where they took a turn that i didn't dislike at all um but you know I'm good to go. That's all I got to say. And I'm taking you there with me. Okay. All right. Feel it. Um, I feel it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing the music thing all season three, but we've also had, uh, when, when applicable, the adventures of guts and Griffith as Dale has been rereading, um, berserk the manga. Mm -hmm. So Dale, where are we at? Right. Well, I don't remember where we ended last time on the podcast. I think I was at chapter 75. They were uh, just I've... rescuing Griffith from the prison. Right. We just traveled all the way down the Tower of Rebirth. They, I think they just found Griff Griffith and they were getting him the heck out. Well, that is long gone. I'm on chapter 93. Three now I believe 92 93 somewhere around there uh we've gotten Griffith out Guts the madman has laid his life uh on the line a, a couple times to try to hold them off uh the king who is who has had Griffith in his sights for the past god knows how long uh has gone full madman hiring these terrible mercenaries bandits criminals uh we get a flashback to the past seeing that he recruited criminals for his uh like regional army because they were just so terrifying and strong and they really bolster the cause but even he was afraid of them the leader of them uh is this inhuman like man and as we come to find out as he and Guts clash, yeah, he ain't human. 
uh, we find out that he's this demonic monstrosity that comes to life when he finds one worthy of his power. Similar to, uh, I'm trying to think of who Griffith and Guts met last time. I want to say it was Nosferatu Zod or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This big like gargoyle ape-like thing that just wrecked the both of them. And Guts is like getting like PTSD over the absolute inhuman power that this thing has the entire time. It's just taunting Griffith saying, oh, we can't kill you yet. You're the one. You're the chosen one. What? what? Why? 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 Who? What? Huh? Events happen, transpire. Uh, Guts and Casca have a talk about how uh, Griffith is never going to be able to walk again. Pretty much, he his body is so destroyed and beaten by what the king's men did to him, and Griffith kind of loses it. Uh, he runs away. What well, he's in a cart, has the horses uh, pull him down the road. Eventually, ends up crashing the car because he doesn't have any muscles or tendons to steer anything. Comes tumbling out. To a river and what does he find other than his necklace his cracked red eye orb necklace that we learned was oh i, I don't know how they say it the behalet behalet um, yeah the behalet it's oh my, i don't know how to, how to how to describe this thing um and I don't remember what we've learned up to this point so far. We know that Guts has definitely seen it. I think from the very first arc for the big flashback. And yeah, he, he saw it as a child in the runoff of the city. Yeah. 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 And so now we're being thrown back to this. We're like, whoa, why are is it, it's this like misshapen face when it's deactivated, when it's activated, it has, it's, it, I call it Mr. Potato Head, right? It's it's its eyes are mismatched, its mouth is where its nose should be. But then when it's activated, draws blood. Its uh, its face is where it should be. Eyes just crying. And Griffith is stabbed by these thorn-like things coming out of the river. And the entire landscape changes. I'm gonna make another reference to Bleach, I think. Because I think I mentioned Bleach with the Angler Hollow. This is very much like when the... Oh, God, I forgot what the names of the Big Daddy Hollows are. When the Menos Grand, I think, the, the Grande, when they come out of the sky, you've just got these gigantic, towering, lanky titans. The entire landscape changes. You've got the face, the behelots coming up from the earth where the rivers have been, where, where the hills have been. And it is terrifying. Terrifying. And hello, friends. Welcome over to the chat. Muffin, thank you for that 20-month resub. Certainly do appreciate it, y'all. Welcome to our recount of Berserk. <laughs> Dude, so much has happened. It is straight up finally getting to the, like, the true horror side like the the the, the macabre horror side 
it, oh my god, I have so so much respect for this man's art. Jesus. Yeah, the the whole part I always appreciate because I am a Griffith hater. Um, I have not liked Griffith since day one. Um, I, I Dale's shooing me away on, on stream <laughs> right now. Um, but to me, to finally see Griffith's true colors in this moment, right? Because he uh, he throws himself upon Casca at some point, trying to like prove he's still a man. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's just completely incapable. All of his ligaments have been cut. He's completely incapable of doing anything. And she's like, "What are you doing?" Um, and then you know later on, I I read the the chariot much differently. I thought that was intentional. I thought he was trying to uh, kill himself by drowning himself in the river. I thought that was all part of part of a plan yeah. when I read it. Um, I, I I agree. Um, it's interesting we like read things very differently. Um, cause I, now that you say that, I definitely agree with Griffith throwing himself up on Casca, um, as like a way to prove that he's still something. And this is, who is this coming off the heels of their conversation with her and Gus's conversation? Yeah. He overheard it. Griffith is is going to be disabled. Like he's not going to be the same. He is not, his life is going to be so much harder and all the dreams that he had been working towards up to this point are just gone. And so yeah, I mean, he throws himself on Casca. Uh, initially I read that as looking for some sort of, I want to say relief. Relief is not the right word. Looking for some sort of response. And that comfort is great. Yeah. And the only action that he could muster up with his body that's remaining was just like shift himself over. Um, but your interpretation of just trying to like prove that he still has something. I could also see that as well. For sure. For sure. See, I've always read him from day one as a narcissist, right? Like, it's my dream, right? And the only people worthy of being my friends are people that have their own dream because, like, this is my dream. And I don't want you to really be a part of it, right? Like, you're a stepping stone. How can I really mm-hmm. respect anybody that's a stepping stone? And and I think that when, you know, he hears the conversation where he's like, yeah, you're just going to be useless the rest of your life. He's like, yeah, well, I'll show you, flop, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm just a little fish flopping in the water. Yeah. But you you tend to, as a general human being, Dale, always try to um, understand the pain of people. And, like, I'm always just like, yeah, you're a fucking narcissist. Suffer, bitch. You know? So. Because uh, I'm a y- terrible human. I generally. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to say. Well, you know what? I guess I will agree with that. I agree. I think. That is very true, though. I do look for the human side of people, of characters, especially like in fiction. And like I try to look for the pain and the thoughts that they might be thinking and just place myself in their position. And if I had their mindset, if I had their experiences, if I lived through what they went through, how would I interpret this? What would I do? 
what would I do to justify what they did, right? And to like just try to get their their perspective, their thoughts. And I think that has its flaws. I I definitely think that line of thought has its flaws because I miss any sort of like authorial intent, whatever the author intended the character to be or to do. My perception of them is certainly biased and shifted. Whereas if you think that every character is just full of themselves, doing things for their own sense of self-worth, I feel like that might line up more with like understanding a core action of a person, if that makes sense. To, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm following your logic to a degree, yeah. You know, I, just, I, I think with the way that I interpret things, I, I don't want to say I give people the benefit of the doubt, but I look for something deeper. And by pushing for that something deeper, I might lose the nuance that's not supposed to be there. Or I might add nuance that's not supposed to be there. Well, sometimes it's just like an Occam's razor, right? Like the simplest explanation is the explanation. But this is why, <laughs> like... Right. So this is why we art isn't just limited to sculptures and painting. It's why movies mm-hmm. and, and stories and, and, you know, this sort of uh, written medium becomes art because it can be interpreted and you can apply your own meaning to it. And as we've been discussing over the past you know five weeks, uh, two people could read the same story and come away with totally different feels. Somebody could love Griffith because, you know, they're always looking for that other side. And some people can see Griffith for the narcissistic asshole that he is. And, you know, and that's fine. And both people can come away with those those opinions based on reading the same content. And that's cool because you get to have discussions like this about it, you know. Um, so you're about to go into one of the most famous scenes. And I'm sure we'll touch base on uh, next episode about... You know, you know what's coming. I know what's coming. Those who have read before know what's coming. Those who have not and have chosen to follow along, I'm going to leave the spoilerinos out. But just, you know, wear your protective eyewear. Don't look directly at it. You guys will be good. All right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would say if, if what if you're following along, and please, guys, follow along. Bye. Buy a couple copies of the the volume. Support the wonderful work of the team that made this, and I love to be able to discuss it with you guys because this is a fantastic series. But if what you've been reading so far has been unsettling, because I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. You cannot say Berserk is not unsettling. I think it is. Ooh, I don't want to say it takes satisfaction in it, but it definitely sets out to provoke those feelings yeah just be just be careful (laughs) (laughs) it's it's definitely uh m-rated material you know it's definitely it's definitely not t for teen um Mm -hmm. so other than listening to music and reading we have been out here playing games over the past week um i've dove into technically three games over the past week uh, with what I've been playing. Um, 
And if you don't mind, I'd like to to open up one mine, and then we'll come to yours, and uh, I let you guys know my last tour kind of snapshots. But the first one needs some some explanation. Um, oh boy, okay. So, guys, I was not the biggest Metroidvania person. Okay, um, actually, I got into the Metroidvanias primarily because of Dale. So. We played Dark Souls 3, and I was like, damn it, Dale, I wish I had listened to you earlier about how great Dark Souls is. This has opened my mind or my, my uh, you know, desire to want to explore the games and the genres that you love. I know you're down with the Metroidvanias. Where do I start? I had owned Hollow Knight. He knew this. The recommendation came through. Go play Hollow Knight. We had a blast with Hollow Knight. We, we finished it on our channel. Had a great time. All right. Since then, um, I've tried quite a few Metroidvanias that just didn't quite live up the way I wanted them to. Um, we've played Momodora Reverie of the Moonlight, which is still one of my favorite playthroughs we've ever Chef's done. Kiss. Mono- Chef's Minor- kiss that. Oh, my God. Oh, Minoria was like almost there. I think I was spoiled by my first two Metroidvanias being Hollow Knight and Momodora and Minora. It just fell. It fell just slightly short. It was a fantastic game, but it wasn't on that level with these two. I had been watching uh, some of the early access footage and a trailer was shown during one of the E3 events for Ender Lilies. And last Tuesday, it came out as a full release. So some people might be like, what? I've been, I've been seeing this game for like five months now. Um, it was full release, came out on the Switch, all consoles, and Steam last Tuesday. And we went ham sandwich on this game, guys. Um, I, I'm like actually struggling right now to to focus on where to begin with all the things I loved about this game. So I'm going to start well, with the... Yeah, go ahead, Dale. I was going to say, let's start with the character. Because there's something about... And really, just as a watcher, I would drop in and out. I don't know a whole lot about it. But something about the character you play as and the sense of progression and like how you get to progress is very different from most other platformers and Metroidvanias. Yeah, so so I think that was one of my favorite things about it. And actually, if you go look at the reviews of this game, because after I played, I did a little, um, I would call it like a sales pitch clip. Uh, I'm a teacher, and I'm always trying to promote uh, new games to my, my, I have a gaming club. Uh, so I, I put together like little four to five minute YouTube videos for them. Um, and I wanted to just see what some of the feedback other people were putting out there was like. And one of the number one complaints people actually have about this game is they feel like the character movement is not as fluid as like a Hollow Knight or something like that. But I think they missed the point. Your character is not a warrior. Your character is not an athletically trained individual. Your character is somewhere around a 10-year-old little girl that just woke up from a years-long coma. You're supposed to be stumbly and awkward. 
your movements aren't supposed to be lightning quick and ninja like even your dash is more akin to a falling forward than a jump and i think that's actually a beautiful design choice because the whole premise of this game is you don't actually get power-ups what's happening is the world you live in is cursed it's your job to lift this curse by literally sucking it into your body, right? So you go and you find a cursed uh, former good guy. You defeat them. You remove the curse from their body so that they can move on to the next life as they should have. But now you hold that curse inside of you. But as you do this, their spirits who are grateful that you got rid of their curse now protect you as uh they're called um well the the main one you meet is the umbral knight but they're called spirits and spirits are your abilities so whatever that thing did that you freed is now your new skill so like you know if you freed a knight you you get a sword or if you freed like a spearman with the tall shield maybe you get a shield you know you get these different abilities as you uh cure people throughout the journey and there's something about the fact that it's this fragile little girl standing up against these monsters with no fear. And like the reason she's doing it is because she doesn't want people to hurt anymore. And there's something about that man that is just like, you know, Minoria and Momodora, you're, you're nuns trained to fight evil. Hollow Knight, you're literally a knight, you know? And this is a priestess who's just trying to help her people, man. It's Ooh. it's so beautiful. So I mean, Hollow Knight. I don't I don't want to spoil anything for uh for folks out there, but like, I think Hollow Knight is what is the core of Hollow Knight? Your character is coming to terms with what they are, what they were created for and how to progress the world and get it out of the state it's in by overcoming their limitations, their own limitations. I feel like just calling Mr. Bug dude a knight. This is a little, no, little underhanded. Right. But by me, what I meant by that, right. Is it someone that's been trained in martial arts right like it's somebody that's been trained to swing a, a needle as they call it a hollow night right like he is a fighter yeah i guess what yeah okay I, I i can buy that i guess especially like over the course of the game you can get further training and like you become you become this dedicated fighter yeah okay i can i can buy that so I mean, it's just to me, it felt different, right? It, it felt yeah. different in a very cool way. And I actually didn't realize till the end. I wish I had noticed this more as we went on because they do such a beautiful job of subtly changing it. As you consume, they call the curse. It's called the blight. As you consume it, your character model changes. And I didn't really notice that until the changes were like super drastic. But you start off as this completely white and gray character, which I, I actually thought was kind of interesting. When I first played it, I was like, everything in the backgrounds, the visuals in this game, forget about it, guys. Um, and actually, one of the things that really blew me away 
was not just the backgrounds. It was actually the foregrounds. The amount of love they put in the bottom third of the screen, the water effects, the flowers that are in the foreground swaying in the wind. Bro, this game was Mm -hmm. beautiful. This game was beautiful. Um, Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I thought it was kind of weird that here we are in this lush landscape, these beautiful uh, scenes and and, uh, realms to go through. And our main character is just white and gray. And towards the end of the game, I was like, wait a minute. When did that start happening? <laughs> I hadn't even noticed it, man. It's just something that if you're going to play it, just just pay attention because it's done so beautifully and so subtly. Um, it, it was really cool. It was really cool. So on the topic of the endings, this is the last thing that, that immediately jumps to mind that I want to say about this experience is I actually accidentally beat the game the first time. All right. I was looking for, in typical Metroidvania fashion, I was blocked off from certain areas by not acquiring skills by, you know, defeating different puzzles or bosses or whatever, you know, like a triple jump or a wall climb or a, uh, a rope swing or like whatever you have in your, your typical Metroidvanias that allow you to progress to areas that are otherwise locked. So I was just looking for a new ability to go to someplace I thought I had to go. And that got cutscene for the end of the game. I was like, wait a minute, what? What happened here? So it actually turns out that there's three endings to this game. Um, and those three endings have to do with how much of the game you've played. Mm-hmm. So there's ending A, B, and C. And I didn't realize until after I'd beaten all three and went back to check ending A again. They actually make note in ending a that you haven't finished your work and that that if you knew there was other endings when you read it the first time because i didn't know there was multiple endings i thought that was the only way out i didn't know there was multiple ways to beat the game mm-hmm. um in hindsight and going back and rereading it ending a had a lot more meaning to it knowing that there was other endings so just know there's multiple endings um, if you reload your save file, so if you like rest at a checkpoint and you save, um, you could reload that save file and go back to before you beat the game. If you want to go, you know, with the same character and, and get endings B and C, um, ending C is the ultimate ending. You can 100% do it without a guide. And this is my knock. This is my one knock. The exploration required is not super intuitive, but when you do figure it out, it was a fun challenge to get there. I just wish more often I knew where I was supposed to go. I think uh, I talked about this with our friend John, friend of the channel. Um, I think if the mini map that you navigate with, like, you know, your world map you typically have in a Metrovania shows you what rooms you've been in, how they connect, so on and so forth. I think if they had had just something as simple as colors on the map to dictate this is like your, you know, this is your undead area. This is your poison area. This is your flowery area. This is your, you know, just to kind of give us an idea. It would have alleviated so many issues I had uh, with being confused on where to go and what to do just because it was a monocolored thing. The rooms were either blue because they had not been completed or gold because they were completed. 
you did not know where you were in that room. There was no marker like indicating you're in the top right of the room right now or the bottom left. If there had just been a little bit more information, and literally that's the only knock I have on this game. Um, the boss is beautiful. They allowed you to, you're going to fail. You're going to get your ass kicked. But if you take a second to just actually think about what is this boss doing and how do I counter that, it's one of those games that allows you to learn and um, it's very enjoyable to learn the mechanics to beat the bosses. They all come in stages where they apply that learning to like the next degree. It's like, okay, hey, you know that thing you learned how to do in round one? Well, we're going to combine attack A and B, and now you have to react to both of them at the same time using what you learned in phase one. But I'm going to annihilate you the first time you see it. Have fun. <laughs> so uh, it was a great time, man. And Dale, I really, really hope you end up playing this one at some point in time. Um, I think it's right up your alley, bro. Yeah, at, at some point for sure. You know, a lot of a lot of what you were saying reminds me of three games. Uh, we've already talked about Hollow Knight, but I think specifically, and we're on the Relic screen now watching it on stream. The Relics remind me a lot of the charms mm -hmm. from Hollow Knight. Now you could have like 100. different augmenting things with you. I love that. I think that's great. The spirits remind me of the next two games. Castlevania, Aria of Sorrow, my favorite Castlevania game. I feel like if you're going to try to play a Metroidvania or at least a Castlevania, you want a feeling for the sense of combat, exploration, and mystery. The, the sensation of like feeling lost and trying to like piece yourself through the, through the world, through the locations. Aria of Sorrow is a Game Boy Advance game. Great place to start. I would personally put it above Symphony of the Night, which is often regarded as one of the best Castlevania, Egovania games ever. And I think Aria of Sorrow was rumored to have a remaster coming out for the Switch uh, Castlevania collection. Not sure that's confirmed yet, but would definitely be something to look forward to. The next game, kind of going, oh, I guess I didn't really explain. The reason why it reminded me of that is because in Ari of Sorrow, you fight various different enemies. Fighting bosses, you get their soul. You get something from them that you can equip onto yourself as some sort of power-up, as some sort of upgrade for progression or for combat or exploration for whatever else is something that, like you physically get from them to change by yourself. In the same vein, the other game comes from Iga, the same guy who did uh, the Castlevania stuff, Bloodstains. I think this was his first property after he left Konami to go work on his own stuff. And it is a beautiful love letter to Ari of Sorrow and Symphony of the Night. It has the same idea. You fight these enemies. You get stuff from them to progress uh, through the world. Classic Metroidvania. But you also get shards, crystals, uh, potentially from enemies 
that will augment the way that your character moves, behaves, interacts, etc. You can use them for magic, for abilities, whatever else. And I kind of got that same vibe here with Ender Lilies to a much smaller extent. Got the exact same vibe though. When you're getting the different attacks and whatnot uh, with the with the new knights you pick up. Yeah, it, it it's very uh, it's funny that you actually have a far better analogy. But I was thinking very Mega Man like, um, hmm. and and the reason I felt that way is there there are very clearly bosses designed in this game to force you to use a certain type of spirit, not necessarily a specific one, but like I, I put there was fast attackers, there was bonkers, aka like your heavy attackers, uh, range attackers things that track, things that AOE'd. Um, and there was definitely bosses that felt as if, you know, if you want to be successful here, you got to have AOE and distance for phases one and two. Uh, and then the way it works is you have three spirits at a time, but you have two sets of three spirits you can rotate between. Um, and I think the reason they chose to do it that way is there was a couple bosses where like phases one and two, you need to stay far away and blast them in phase three you needed to charge in and really just go to town uh and you needed to be able to burst them quickly i thought that was a cool dynamic to add in there um by requiring specific play styles not just for each boss but for each phase within a single boss fight um you know a, a final little final little thought here guys i just want to put this out there because may uh that listen were on along for most of this ride when it came time for me to do the final ending, uh, there is a variation to the final boss. And I tried it on stream for about 45 minutes and was really struggling, having a hard time. I was like, guys, it's late. Let me just go to bed. We'll, we'll take a crack <laughs> at this tomorrow. So I went, did some unwinding, uh, ate some food, and was like, you know what? Let me just give this off stream. Let me just give this one more go before I go to bed. I ended up being that boss in that go. Not only did I beat the final boss off stream in this, like, maybe I'll just give it one more go uh, attempt. I didn't get hit a single time. I kind of felt bad because we played 25 hours. It took us to get all three endings. Um, And we have 90 something percent completion. We're just missing a couple of uh, items throughout the world. But I kind of felt bad for those that have been along for the whole entire journey. Uh, but at the same time, now if they if they want to get that ultimate ending, they can just watch whenever it is that Dale streams it. True, true. I like it. Yeah, there we go. That's that's why I left it there. I wanted to make sure that you know Dale had that <laughs> that little bit of bait to. I got that. To... I got that nugget of content. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Dale, I know this was a big week for you as something you've been waiting a long time for, uh, for drops. So tell us about it, man. Indeed. All right. So was it last Thursday? It's been a week. It's been a week already. Can you believe that? Legend of Mana dropped. Oh, my God. All right. So I'll preface this by saying this is one of my top three favorite games of all time purely based on nostalgia um i love the ideas that are presented in legend of mana 
I love the idea that it is a spin-off game that pretty much lives in its own self-confined world and universe that doesn't really affect any of the other games in the series. With that established, the remaster that came out last week does a bang-up job of taking a game from 1999, slapping it with a pretty skin, and delivering the same game in 16-9 ratio. This is the exact same game I remember from my childhood, and I could not be happier. It is beautiful. There's a lot about the game that I have forgotten about, uh, whether it's because it wasn't part of the speedrun route that I used to run, or I just haven't played the game in over a decade. But there is so much charm and whimsy in every single screen. And I know you asked Dan, you had issues with the pixels, the pixel sprites on the painted backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think that's fair enough because it's definitely jarring. I do like that they're paying homage to the original sprites of the game. And the original game was much the same way. It was much more pixelated. So it didn't look as out of place. They have the option to have the original music in the game from the old PlayStation 1 game or have the orchestral new arrangements. I would love if they did the same thing for the sprites. Regardless, I still think it's fantastic. I personally don't have an issue with it, but that's also because I grew up this game, grew up with this game for 20 years. So take that as you will. So you folks, know, Hold on, real yeah. quick. I just want. I just want to say. I would also like to see. Uh, you know, it's been done. I with like StarCraft as well as could bring up. When StarCraft did the remaster, you had a choice of playing it in the new, uh, HD reskin, or you could play it with the original graphics. I would have liked to also have seen that be an option here. I just wanted to agree with you there. Yeah, that that'd be pretty neat. I definitely, I definitely can agree with that, for sure. Um, but so moving off of graphics, because let's be honest, this is just painted backgrounds is pretty much the only upscaling type deal that they did, as well as just stretch it out. The real charm of this game isn't necessarily the story, and that might be weird. For an RPG, right? Because I always refer to this game as like an arcadey, beat 'em up style gameplay RPG. The charm of this game comes from the characters you meet, the amount of characters you meet, and how they interact with each other. It is nonsensical, it does not take itself seriously at all. And I think it is so much better. For it. You have these outlandish design characters that would make no logical sense whatsoever. You have toys that were created and given sentience by fairies in their 100-year-long war with humans 
that question their existence and long to die on the battlefield. Yo, I was all about that as a kid. The world settings and lore and the characters are what drew me to this game and cemented my love for it. As I'm going back, replaying it now, I'm trying to take in as many of the events they're called, uh, quests, the different uh, journeys with characters from point A to point B. I'm trying to take them all in as many as I can to get the complete picture of what's going on. There are three separate storylines. All three of them get to the end of the game. The way in which you meet characters or complete events might make certain things unbeatable, which you've got once you beat the game, you unlock New Game Plus, so you can go right back to it. I'm trying to get as much as I can in, completed, written down in the journal in our home and just take in all of the lore bits. At some point, I want to go back at the very end of the game or maybe the start of New Game Plus if it carries over and read all the encyclopedia entries that we've unlocked and just go through a huge lore dump. Because there is, you know this is a spin-off game, disconnected from the rest of the series. It has so much built-up, personal, self-confined lore. And I don't... Hmm, how do I say this? I love games for their stories and for their backgrounds, for the settings, for what's supposed to get us immersed into the world. I live for that. As someone who's played Dark Souls for God knows how long, I love the world of Dark Souls 1. All the stuff that you don't see, all the stuff that's not explained to you outright with text in front of your eyes at every two seconds. I love it. I love finding it out. Much like this game, Legend of Mana, I love the story. And I think this is one of the pivotal points, along with like very specific, like young adult books and novels and series when I was a kid. It got me into world building and why I love, especially for like D&D. I love the entire concept of creating the world, maybe more so than even playing it, than going through it and unveiling what I, the fruits of my labor. I just love conceptualizing it. I'll be honest, I haven't gotten a chance to watch much of this playthrough. Um, as Dale started, as he said, this past week, I started summer school this week. My bedtime is about an hour ago. Um, as we've been talking here, he's had his clips playing from Twitch in the background of his stream currently. Um, I've watched you talk to characters. I've watched you place things on a world map. I'm watching you run around with scuffed Squirtle right now. Um, <laughs> what do you actually do 
in this game. I, I mean, like, other than, like, you place this thing on the world, you go there. Is there a mystery in that location? Is there a puzzle? Are you just looking for the person to talk to to get the next piece of instruction? Do you fight things? Like, I'm, I'm a little lost. So... Where it's playing right now is kind of unfortunate because this isn't like half a halfway point of a very narrative heavy mission. Um, and I started it. I couldn't remember how to finish it. And then I left it for later to get back to. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Legend of Mana, we're in Pulpota Harbor looking for the mystery of the ghost. Trying to figure out what's going on. And this is curious because it's it's one of the few missions that is not combat based you're not going to have a boss at the end of this you're looking specifically for the character interactions and trying to find who do i meet with who do i need to find where do i where do i go to see what's going on with this ghost i don't want to call it a murder mystery but it kind of has vibes of that like we're looking for clues trying to talk to people get their story and move on from there. There are times I love this, but most of the time I can't stand these types of questing games. Um, usually because the person that you need to talk to the most to piece it all together is hidden in some like nonsensical, illogical portion of the area you're talking to literally everybody else in. Um, but hopefully this week I'll be able to catch a bit more and, and feel a little more in the loop because it seems to be a very, I don't want to use the word cutesy in a demeaning way. It's cutesy in the way that I like things to be uh, cutesy. You know what I mean? It's kind of got that, you know what the artwork really reminds me of? I don't know how many people are going to remember this. The Gummy Bears, the adventure of the Gummy Bears. It was a Saturday morning okay. cartoon. Sorry, I, I thought you were going to say Maple Story, and I was going to just brace no, myself. No, like the way that the trees and the huts are drawn in this game, and the way that um, a lot of these these structures are very woven in naturally woven into the world around them. You know, it's it's like things feel like they were intentionally built to be a part of the world instead of on top of the world. You know, like humans mm -hmm. do, um, and it, it's. It's got a lot of components to it that draw me to it, uh, but without the context to understand um, the, the the few clips I have seen, I kind of feel lost. So I'm hoping to catch up on that next week and, and get a little more involved in this uh, playthrough. How much longer do you have of this, do you think? Oh, God. I think I'm at around 12 and a half hours right now. We're probably... Because we're just exploring around, so I'm probably about halfway done. Probably about 20, 23, 25 hours total. Okay. All right, cool. So I still got a lot to get in on. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited to see what the rest of this journey takes, uh, takes you. And do you think when you get through with the first lore playthrough, do you think you are going to attempt any of the speedruns at this again? Or are you just going to leave the speed running of this game in the past. Uh, I would love to get back into it. I don't know if I'll stream it because it, it is so time consuming to have to 
learn the like relearn the route and a lot of it has changed since I dropped out of it. I know I'm definitely gonna go at least try to hundred percent it, get all the get all the lore bits, get all the encyclopedias, get all the uh achievements of an on Steam. At some point in the future, would definitely not be opposed to getting back into the speedrun though. Right on, man. Well, guys, if you want to catch uh, Dale's playthrough of Legend of the Mana uh, alongside me, you catch at twitch.tv slash hey, it's Dale. And that's hey with two eyes. You know, I, I know we're we're already approaching that hour-long mark, uh, guys, but I just wanted to bring up two quick hitter things that I've been playing lately. Uh, just to put them on folks' radars, there's not really a lot to unpack here. Uh, seeing as one of these games is like 20 years old, um, I bought the moment it went live, uh, zombies ate my neighbors, uh, which mm -hmm. also comes with ghoul patrol. And I had thought originally that they were remastering, reworking it. It's just a beautifully done re-release. It, it's if you love the game when it was out on the SNES and the Genesis back in the day, you're getting exactly that game. Um, and we played about an hour and a half, two hours of it before uh, Tarkov on Tarkov Wipe Day. And I've had an itch to get back into it, uh, but it'll be there. Tarkov, Tarkov is a timing sensitive thing, so I've had to I've had to go that route. But super excited to get back into Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It is uh, a I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's it's like an old school arcade style game, guys. It's you're trying to rescue your neighbors from a horde of zombies. You're collecting nonsensical weapons as you go. Uh, you play as this character, Zeke, who is your quintessential 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s kid. I mean, you got 3D glasses in the skull t-shirt and the spiked blonde hair. Your primary weapon is a super soaker. Like it's it, it's it's my childhood in a video game. So if you guys are interested in checking that out, it's out now. I will say this. I'm, I'm going to be honest about it. The price tag is a little hefty if you aren't somebody that already loves the series. You can totally catch this game on sale probably a few months down the road from now. Um, I believe for both titles it was like 25 bucks or something like that, which I am more than happy to play, pay as somebody that loves this series. Um, but you could probably get it for pro you know 10 bucks, 15 bucks, a couple months down the road. And there's there's no multiplayer or anything like that that you have to worry about. It's just a good old-fashioned arcade shoot 'em up. Um but the, the second thing here I want to kind of spend a little more time talking about is a board game. I know it's been a while since we've talked about part of the namesake, Bored and Nerdy. Um, but this one was so good, I had to make a little bit of time to at least put this on people's radars. I need you guys to ask yourselves a few questions. Do you like sailing? Do you like pirates? Do you like pissing off your friends named Carl? If all these things are true, there's a beautiful, easy-to-get-into board game out there called Plunder. Plunder is, uh, I believe it's up to four people can play at a time. It is a pirate game set in uh, a made-up world that changes every time you play. There are, Ooh. I want to say, 16 tiles. It's, it, it's either... 16 or 25. Um, but these tiles are 
placed inside a border and they could be placed differently each time. Uh, there are points of interest to go to. There is a storm that moves around the map based on a dice roll that can cause all sorts of havoc. But the idea is you're racing to 10 victory points. Uh, they call them plunder points because, you know, plunder, yo. Name of the board game is plunder. I don't know if I said that already. Um, but the idea is you're racing to 10 victory points. The way you achieve those 10 victory points is exactly how you expect a pirate to do so. You either find treasure, sink other pirate ships, or claim islands as your own. It's got a beautiful balance of player-to-player -player combat, uh, chance exploration as not all opportunities to get treasure will earn you a treasure. And there's also almost a Settlers of Catan style resource trade system where you can collect resources throughout the game and use those resources to purchase things like cannons to help kill your friends faster, uh, sails to chase down your friends to kill them faster, or points because let's be honest gold could buy you anything uh so if you guys are interested in checking out a fun four-player board game it, i actually ended up in a 2v2 situation i'm sorry not 2v2 a 1v1 situation at the end um just as much fun with two people because you can have up to three boats per person and it starts to feel like each boat is its own player and if you're like me you name them and they have their own <laughs> lore behind them and you tell your friends about all the other ships they already sunk in the game when you are chasing down their ship to sink it. Uh, great time, guys. Check it out. Once again, it's a board game. It is called Plunder. It is Pirate Heaven. Have a great time with it. All right. So it's basically Sea of Thieves, but board game. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even cool. see that you were so quick to pull that graphic up, Dale. Uh, so for those who are not watching the live stream, you should just a quick rundown for those that do see the visual we have in front of us. Those red dots are your crew members. As long as you have a crew member, your ship's alive. Um, you lose a crew member every time you lose a battle. Each cannon adds one point to your dice roll. So you get a six sided die. You roll. I roll. Whoever gets the higher number wins. My cannons count as additional points of damage and each sail adds a plus one to your move um somebody unfortunate fellow back there in that white trying or rectangle is stuck in the storm unfortunate for that fellow because he looks like he's got two cannons and he wants to go get involved in that spicy meme down there in the oh, corner that's what the storm is okay cool yeah yeah it's a great time guys uh it's pretty reasonably priced too so check it out all right deal yeah, good got stuff I've got one last thing for you. It's not game related. So before I move to that, you got any other things to put on the the people's radar game related? Uh, the only only other thing, something small. Uh, Kazuya released for Smash. Oh, he's live. And he is, he is live right now. I, so I kind of lost my mind when Sephiroth was added to Smash, and I had a lot of fun with that. Loved the entire, like, event that they had trying to take on Sephiroth. Kazuya is so much fun. As someone who... I'm kind of into the fighting game scene. I am very much a fighting game 
enjoyer of all sorts. It doesn't really matter which game it is. But the game that I put the most amount of time into was definitely Tekken. I never liked Kazuya and Tekken. I was a Harong man. I was a Bruce man. I played bits of Anna. And I, I didn't touch Kazuya. But my god. He is my favorite character to play in Smash right now. I love it so much. And I kind of had this trend of going from Zero Suit Samus to Lil Mac and now to Kazuya. Oh, it's great. Guys, go pick it up. It's fantastic. I love it. You know, we I, I don't want to go through the whole tangent again because I know I was I was shouts of shame were thrown in my direction when when I said this last time um, when he was announced. The only thing that bothers me about like Ryu, um, Kazuya, and uh, who's the other one that's in there that it bothers me? They have Ken? Terry. They have characters from fighting games that they're bringing into a game that's so much fun because most of the people that are in that game are not from fighting games. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. that. That was my only. Only complain about that. But if people are having fun with it, stop having fun, you idiots. I said so. <laughs> no, man. Have a good time. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. All right. All right. I- so I have to poop on something. I have to Uh-oh. absolutely annihilate something real quick because I have been doing this thing lately where I'm starting to trust people that have given me good recommendations with things. Cause my, my time is very valuable. I, I do a lot mm-hmm. of things. I don't get as much free time as I would like. Um, I usually spend it in very specific ways that make me happy. If I'm going to detour from that, it needs to be on the advice of somebody that's like, Hey bro, you know how we always enjoy the same things. I know you'll enjoy this. You know, I think of the hollow Knight recommendation, um, I think about just about every video game John's ever recommended me, but I'm still not going to play Control just to piss him off. Um, <laughs> you know, so the person that finally pushed me into watching Castlevania, which, by the way, I finished, um, and we're going to have to open this can of worms some other time because I need, Dale, I need you not right now, but eventually to explain to me why people were so upset about season three. I was literally waiting for the moment that set the internet on fire, and I was like, I don't I don't know what happened here. Uh, so we'll have to talk about that another time so you can educate you know, this himbo yeah. over here on why I should I, be upset about things. So I don't, I don't know about like season three in general. All I know is I hated the way that the ending of season three was treated by people. So okay. yeah, we can get well, into that another time. We'll have to unpack that because I, I need to explain because I, I wasn't there for all that. But I have to say, man, I don't normally like and this is what turned me off from Castlevania. I don't like mm-hmm. that art style. OK, really? OK, but the story was fantastic, dude. I, I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. Um, so let me let me not get too far down that road. So the same individual that finally pushed me into watching that was like, bro. I got one for you. It's going to blow your mind. All right. You ready? Uh-oh. I was like, yeah. Uh-oh. I was like, yeah, dude, put it on me. What, what do we got? He goes, just dropped on Netflix. It's going to absolutely blow your mind. 
record of Ragnarok. I'm like, Ragnarok? I like me some fucking Vikings. Let's go. Let's do this. I am down for some Viking stuff. It wasn't Vikings, was it? Bro, this might be. And I would like you to also know, I watched something called like the Legend of the House Dad or something like that, or or something to that effect. It's about like a Yakuza boss that stops being a Yakuza boss to become like a house husband. I've uh, heard of that. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's pretty it's pretty terrible. It's pretty dumb. Uh, you'd actually probably like it though because it's very. Um, Is it quirky? Uh, yes, it's extremely quirky. And I feel like okay. you. I feel like your st- type of humor, you would like it. I don't like QT humor, so it uh, obviously annoyed me because I'm the world's biggest grouch. Anyways, back to this record <laughs> of Ragnarok thing. I never thought there could be a show out there that got more out of still frames and yelling the Dragon Ball Z. I did not think <laughs> I did not think it was possible to drag on people standing still, gritting their teeth and having lectures. They're not even speeches, right? While also charging up an attack that takes more than an episode. I never thought there was going to be a more egregious example than anything done in the Dragon Ball universe. I think this show is just trying to see how few frames it could generate and how many episodes it could get off of those few frames. It is the biggest time waster. I So so let me just give you the premise real quick cuz it's actually kind of cool. The gods have decided humans need to go. And when I say the gods, I mean I don't just mean the Norse gods. I mean the gods have decided humans need to go. The Valkyries, who have spent their entire history ushering worthy human warriors to the afterlife, barge in on the meeting where they're like, yeah, let's kill all the humans. And they go, well, let's give the humans a fighting chance. We've seen their valor on the battlefield. They fought in your name, blah, 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 blah. Let's do this. 13 gods versus 13 humans one-on-one combat whoever wins seven out of the 13 gets their way if the gods win annihilate the humans if the humans win we'll have the fight again in a thousand years to see if they get to still live that's kind of neat right like okay actually like really i'm really into that i was too right so as this whole scene's (laughs) playing out i'm like this is dope so so I'm sorry, guys. I I know that we try to keep these episodes reasonable, but I, I have to go off on this because such a great concept. And and even the artwork wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't my cup of tea, but it was something I could I could stomach. All right. It was palatable. So, man. The first fight takes I forgot it was three or four episodes. Okay. There might be like a total of five attacks over those three episodes. After the fight is done, they say the victor's name and then they give the amount of time the fight took. It's like, you know, like a box and they'll be like, the winner is Floyd Mayweather in round two, one minute and 30 seconds by knockout. Right. Like they give you all the details of the fight. 
So the first fight ends, and they're like, winner, the guy that wins. Time, 15 minutes and 13 seconds. Motherfucker, it took you an hour and a half to to show the fight. (laughs) How are you going to tell me that that was 15 minutes and 30 seconds? What are you doing? So I'll tell you guys, as a concept, cool. Um, Animations, I don't know, man. It kind of looked to me like if you... If you took the Dragon Ball universe and drew it in today's world, it was that kind of an art style. All right. But man, what a waste of time. So much so that it it, it pushed me away. Um, so it's out there, guys. I, I If you enjoy anime and you want to take a look at the record of Ragnarok, I'm going to put it up there with the top three worst animes I've ever watched. And there is so wow. much, there is so much hype around it right now. It's on the trending. Um, it was trending on you, uh, not YouTube. It was trending on Twitter for a couple days. People were going nuts about it. I want your take on it. You guys, let me know what you think. Record of Ragnarok on Netflix. Top three worst animes ever. S dance stamp of disapproval. I'm currently watching a clip of it. Got yeah. it pulled up. We've got Zeus versus Adam. Yep. And my favorite thing about this is that Adam's got like this ripped eight pack. He's a skinny, lanky kid. Zeus is this gigantic monster of a god. And Adam's got this damn fig leaf covering up. God, it's <laughs> hysterical. <laughs> it is hysterical. I have heard of those that watched it, they did say that that Zeus versus Adam was their favorite fight. Now, here's the other thing. There's only like eight or ten episodes. I forgot how many. And I'm sitting there thinking the very first fight, which I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you guys. It, it's Thor versus Lubu, who is uh, a renowned uh, warrior of the third Chinese dynasty. Um, Thor Man, you should find a picture of Thor. I just need you. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking at Thor right now. Does that scream Thor to you in any way, shape, or form? I I hate this. <laughs> right? Um, also, watch the way this guy rides this horse. Arms? Who holds their what horse with arms? What is going on here? Who holds their horse with arms? Not me. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Y'all, y'all, guys, everyone out there, please, please watch this. Is, I, I, I need to know how you feel about this. <laughs> it is so Thor's bad. Got red hair. It is so oh bad. Oh, my God. I, I need to watch this now just to see how bad it is. All right, let's do mission. This is, if you go into this going, this is going to be awful, and I can't wait to enjoy. Watch this the way I played Cyberpunk in Biomutant, and you'll have a good time. My man Thor has the fucking Kirk hammer from Bloodborne. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm do- I'm done. I'm done. I need to turn it off. I'm ver- we're- I'm done. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm done. Oh man! All right! All right! All right! We we've we've now reached the point of ridiculousness. Dale, I have somewhere sleepless. Water me down. Lock, stocked, and ready to rock. And just to confirm, the band is Water Me Down, 
or the album is Water Me Down? The album is Somewhere Sleepless, the band Water Me Down. So for those that have been following along with our uh, summer music club, uh, check it out. There's five tracks on it. Let us know your take. Get you a copy. Dark Horse Publications, Berserk, S. Dan's favorite anime and manga of all time. Dale enjoys it, approves of it as well. Hey, go play yourself some plunder. Dale, what are your party thoughts for the folks at home? Go play yourself some plunder. That sounds like a good time. Um, Brain thoughts. We've got the summer coming up. Stay safe out there. We've got a huge heat wave coming in. Uh, stay hydrated. Intake your water, your fluids. Stay in the shade. Don't work too hard. Get yourself some popcorn. Some tissues to wipe away your tears of laughter. Go watch Record of Ragnarok. Give it a thumbs down. Let them know we will not stand for trash anime. Until we catch you guys next week. Stay safe out there, and please do indeed stay gold, Pony Boy.